Hi folks, welcome to the happysaver.com podcast. Your friends might not want to talk about their journey with money, but I do. I'm Ruth and I'm a blogger on personal finance and in this podcast series I tell the stories of Kiwis and their experiences with the money in their lives. Now, if you thought that every teenager spends their days wagging school and walking around with their head down looking at the latest iPhone, then think again. Today we meet James and he is finishing up his final year of school before heading on to university in 2018. He is no slouch and is involved in a huge variety of community groups. He also holds down a job and he listens to his mother and he is saving really hard for the future. I think you are going to enjoy his money journey today. Would you like some free money? Sharesies is offering a sign-up bonus of $10 for all Kiwis wanting to start investing. Sharesies is one of the platforms I use to invest in my personal favourite, index funds, and they are a company that has rapidly become a New Zealand success story as they have enabled thousands of people to get involved in share investing, often for the very first time. If you would like to sign up with Sharesies and get $10 into your Sharesies wallet, go to thehappysaver.com forward slash Sharesies and start your investing journey today. I had been wanting to speak with a teenager for some time and find out what their thoughts on money were, given that they were at the very, very start of their life journey. I approached a teacher at our local high school and asked if she could actually recommend a year 13, which is a final year student, who appeared to have an idea of where they are headed and what they will do to get there. Now, without reservation, she mentioned a guy called James, and after a few brief emails, a missed catch-up because he overbooked himself, we sat down for a chat. James is turning 18 soon and describes himself as a typical high school student who is in his last year of school and is ready to head off to uni in 2018 to study political science and geography. He's a softly spoken guy and he quietly explains that he likes to get involved in the community and then he just as quietly rattled off a few groups he is involved in. Now being a humble fella, he actually missed a few, so I did a bit of research and I also happened to read about him in our local newspapers as well because he actually pops up in there from time to time. In the weeks either side of meeting him, I saw him in one of our little newspapers accepting a Central Otago Youth Award. He was on Facebook supporting a friend in an incredibly caring way at a school formal, which he is on the committee of. And my research turned out the fact that he had actually recently been up in Wellington to the Commonwealth Heads of Government meeting and taken part in the Model United Nations Assembly, which is called MUNA for short. He also happens to be a founding member on the National Board of Sticks and Stones, which is a pretty cool anti-bullying group, which um, was formed in Central Otago. And he is also a member of our Central Otago Youth Council, the treasurer on the Otago Suicide Prevention Trust, on the school council, of course, and is also a young National Party representative and has work shadowed our local National MP for the last three years. Hmm, here I was thinking he missed our first meeting because teenagers are all just a bit useless, as I once was, but I had to adjust my mindset in a very big way after speaking with him, and shame on me. 
And as if that list of achievements was not quite enough, he is involved in environmental groups, sports, of course, the local library, quiz nights, debating and other local groups where he is an active committee member and often also the treasurer. He has just completed his Gold Duke of Edinburgh Award and, oh, that's right, he also has a part-time job which will turn into a full-time job over the summer. Yeah, hmm, just your typical high school kid who also likes to get involved in the community, all right. So how does a 17-year-old attend so many groups and still manage to get to school and to pass? My PTA commitments pale in comparison. And I think back to when I was 17, I had little involvement in anything except hanging out with my friends and getting myself to and from school. I began by asking James whether his money is a topic of conversation amongst his peers. Is it something that they even think about? Thankfully, he feels comfortable talking about it with friends and it just actually comes up in general conversation, which is great to hear. And talk amongst the other kids in his year is often around when the next paycheck is coming through because many have it all spent as soon as they get it. And they sound like they also spend a bit of time discussing how others choose to spend the money and the choices that they make with their money. This year, he took part in a competition to save as much money as possible for university next year, which I reckon is a pretty healthy way to stay focused on a savings goal. He ended the year in second place and what a brilliant competition idea. And talking to him gave me an insight into what side he would take during those conversations with his mates when I asked him what his money elevator pitch is, a sentence that would sum up his approach to money. He believes that it is something to be saved and not spent, but to also remember that money is not everything. So who has helped shape James for these last 17 and a bit years? He credits his parents and his grandmother with being good with money and for guiding him. They have drilled into him to work hard and to save hard and get out and get involved in as much as you can, hence his long list of groups that he is a part of. His grandmother also has a really strong influence over James and he refers to her as being as frugal as anything. Being Naitahu, she is also guiding James into taking an active interest in his iwi, one which is so focused on tribal development and creating educational opportunities for their whānau by way of support and scholarships. And a family that willingly talks about money is continually coming up in my conversations with people and I'm realising how absolutely essential it is to talk about it with kids because they are learning off us every single day and we have to set a good example here and it sounds like his family are very much doing that. Having been at school for the last 12 years, I was interested to know what he is taught about how to handle money day to day and if banking in schools was ever an option for him. I know that in Australia there is opposition to banking in schools as many view it as a bank's marketing department, infiltrating schools and young minds and signing up as many new customers as they possibly can. And I checked on the CanStar website and both the ANZ Bank and the ASB Bank offer school banking here in New Zealand and kids sign up and apparently get educational tools and schools get a kickback from each account that they open to go towards their fundraising efforts. Hmm, sounds like a cheap and effective way for a bank to buy a new business to me or am I just being a little bit cynical? Personally, I've never seen it in operation in my area and James, he was actually never exposed to it during his time at school either. 
Instead, in year 12, which was last year, they did a budgeting internal, which I guess is just a small assessment project that they studied during the term. And he described it as very basic, covering topics like dividing your year into 52 weeks and working out what a surplus and a deficit mean. And like I just mentioned, James was pretty clear about the fact that unless your family is involved in teaching you about good financial habits, then there was really not much learning about it done at school, which is a big, big shame. He credits his parents, his other interests. Remember, he acts as a treasurer on quite a few of the groups he's involved in and asking questions of his teachers for getting him this far with his money. There was a comment a fellow student made recently that really stuck with him. She had built up her savings by doing holiday work, but by some mysterious and random act, she has watched the $4,000 she saved almost disappear. That is, she spent it all. And this was despite the fact that her parents also gave her a very healthy allowance of about $150 each week. He said that the majority of kids have to work for their money, but quite a few parents just give an allowance to their kids. A school student spending that amount each week blew his mind, and mine as well, if I'm perfectly honest. James is a pretty good observer of life, I noticed, and is quietly horrified at some of the decisions he sees made by those around him. He knows of a number of kids who are borrowing money off their parents to buy consumer items and then paying their parents back over time with the after-school jobs that they have. And he sees this as the start of learning how to take on debt, and I would have to agree with him again. When the parents tap out, a bank will step into that role for that young person and Last year I had a conversation with a debt collector which was really interesting and I asked how people in their late teens and early 20s get themselves into so much debt so young and he said it pretty much all came down to borrowing and it was generally always for their first car. Then they miss a payment, then two, then three and then interest and debt collection fees kick in and before they know it they've lost control and can't keep up and people like him are knocking on their door and repossessing anything that they have. So taking on debt when you don't understand the consequences can end in a dangerous spiral pretty quickly. And as for James, does he earn any money himself? His parents used to give him $5 a day to spend at the school canteen for his lunch, but the food was no good, he said, so he stopped spending it there and made his lunch at home instead. He's got a great wee thing going. He job shares with a fellow student at a local shop downtown and has done since year 12. And they juggle the hours between the two of them. And as long as someone turns up, then the boss is happy. Perfect. So he works between 6 and 16 hours per week, earning $16.25 per hour, which is just a tad above the minimum wage of fifteen seventy-five per hour. And come summer, he will work more hours and they'll definitely be available to him. He has also signed up for KiwiSaver and even though he is not yet eligible for the member tax credit of $521 per year because he's not yet 18, he actually still pays 8% of his wage into KiwiSaver each and every payday. There are not many 17-year-olds out there with enough foresight to save for their retirement. I think he's a little bit unique there. His KiwiSaver is with AMP. And he only knows this because that is what it says on the letters that arrive in the post. Uh, It might be a growth fund, he thinks, but he's not too sure. So does he know anything at all about investing in something other than KiwiSaver at this age, I had to ask? 
He had bought one book on investing, which he enjoyed reading, but he could not quite remember the title, something about how to grow your funds or something like that. And he does recall his grandma buying Meridian shares when the company was sold off six or seven years ago. And he remembers telling his dad to buy some, but his dad didn't. So all in good time, I say, the fact he is light on the details of his investments is absolutely fine at such a young age. What is more important is the fact he is involved at all, and it's pretty clear that his family are in the background keeping an eye on things for him. Now, phones are a pretty big deal to teens and young adults, and James's parents bought him his first phone for $100. Now that he is earning himself, he pays for everything, which at first he was a bit put out by, because as I just mentioned, he knows of other parents who give their kids money. But his mum said he needs to learn to do it this way. Go mum, is what I have to say about that. And I recall that as soon as I was earning, I had to pay my own way too. And it made me a whole lot more reluctant to spend my money when I remembered all the hours that went into earning it. And that situation leads nicely into what James considers his biggest financial triumph to date. Living in a fruit-growing region, summer jobs are literally there for the picking if you are a motivated kid, and James clearly is. He went cherry-picking for a season and, in his words, made massive amounts of money. That highlight of stuffing money into his bank account led pretty quickly into a learning experience when immediately after a season working his butt off picking cherries, he bought the latest iPhone for $1,200 to replace his free, but perfectly fine, phone that his parents had bought him. He later realised he was following trends and peer pressure, and he now realises he could have bought a far cheaper but perfectly sufficient phone for a fraction of that cost. Now, his flash phone lasted two years. It even survived a swim in the river, but is now dead as a dodo, and today he is using a $40 phone that he has had to purchase to replace his knackered iPhone. His $40 phone still does the job, but he does admit that this one is not out of his pocket being flashed around as much as the other phone was. So that taught him a lesson, but sometimes we need to be taught it in a few different ways, which leads on to what James considers to be his greatest financial flop to date. Just this last summer, he was working and had a really good pay each week, and he went out and he just blew the lot on clothes and stuff that he thought he needed, and he was really annoyed at himself for doing this. So what did he do about the slip-up? On the advice of his mum, he put his bank account in lockdown, his cash card was put into his parents' room, and he did not touch it. Shopping is pretty much made impossible when you can't flash the plastic to pay for it. But don't beat yourself up, James, as you are bound to make more botch-ups along the way, but having the presence of mind to reflect on them and learn will mean you'll work out how to be good with money far faster than the majority of the population. Since this incident, he told me he has more or less bought nothing, but he is still earning a small but steady income from his after-school job, so what are the top three habits that he is forming as a way of dealing with his money? His first one is that he is paid on a Wednesday and immediately transfers 70% to savings. The money left in his account needs to now last him as long as possible. And that is a phenomenal savings rate. And if he can continue on at this, he is headed for retirement pretty early. I'm quite positive about that. 
Number two, if he is in need of clothes, he has become a major deal hunter and he will not pay full price for anything. And his third tip is that he likes to pay for friends if they cannot afford to pay for something. And this is where you see James's social conscience and really empathetic nature come to the fore, which is just such a lovely quality to have. James is really in the early stages of his financial journey and is finding his feet and working out the upsides and the downsides of having cash in his life. So I was interested to know if he would go without today to get ahead tomorrow or would he spend today because you might be gone tomorrow. He had clearly been thinking about this because when he decides he might need to buy something, he first wonders if he already has something that could serve the same purpose and if not, he bides his time and he waits for that item to go on sale and by the time that happens, he has often worked out that he probably does not need that item anyway. And this lack of impulsiveness and ability to delay gratification is certainly pushing him towards a growing savings mindset. So how good would his restraint be if I gave him $10,000 right now? What would he do with it? He told me he would put it into a savings account at his bank and then research what would be the best way to make more money off it. He has worked out it's not nearly enough to put towards a house deposit, but it would probably come in pretty useful for paying his upcoming university fees instead. So he's got a couple of options to consider there. He has already mentioned that a few of his peers are taking on debt by way of loaning money off their parents. But what about James? Has he taken on any debt in his young life yet? Well, yes is the answer, but the reason elicited a bit of an awe from me. His debt was $10 at the local musical society when he was hiring a costume for a party of some sort that he had to go to. He had his FPOS card, but they only accepted cash, which he did not have on him, and they kindly let him pay it back, which he more or less immediately did. And if this is the only level of debt he takes on, then James is going to be just fine. I reckon that aversion to debt should become an innate behaviour, such as being scared of spiders, snakes and fire. Uh, We would all be better with money if debt elicited the same fear response, I reckon. And on the subject of cash, he does use it sometimes. If he gets cash out, he stretches it to the max because he feels that $100 in cash lasts a whole lot longer than $100 spent by FPOS and you know exactly what you are passing over when you can feel it in your hot little hands, he told me. The next big step for James is tertiary study next year when he heads off to Otago University in Dunedin and he's going to be studying political science and geography. He has of course been saving for this and he has calculated that he probably won't have saved quite enough up for his first year and he might come out with a couple of thousand in debt at the end of 2018. But he thinks he will be able to pay that off during semester breaks and it's also his plan to pay back his debt continuously as cash allows throughout his study. He got a look into the reality of being a student when some friends came back from their first year of study and they had $8,000 in debt already. And he just does not like the thought of debt and once again this comes from listening to his parents as their attitude has always been to save the money first and then buy the item. I asked him if he thinks he might need to buy a car for next year because he is going to be quite a long way away from home. But he has got by without one so far and he does not think he needs one. So that's going to be a huge savings for him right there. 
While James has been saving hard for his university, he is in a very fortunate position because his parents have also been saving for him since he was born. He does not know how much there is and he will find out at around the age of 18. And holding this information back has been a deliberate strategy from his parents, he tells me, because their fear was that he may fritter it away and back off his own efforts if he knew how much was going to be there for him. But the intention is that there will be some money available to help him at university and a portion will also remain for when he finishes uni. He's also been applying for scholarships and he's managed to secure one small $500 grant to help with his course costs. And um, when you're heading into tertiary study, every little bit helps, right? So what does the structure of a 17-year-old's bank account look like? For James, it is pretty simple with an everyday account and a savings account and his mum has a hand in managing these accounts for him. At this point, he's not sure exactly how much he has saved, but he keeps dumping money in there after each payday. And I guess uh, when he gets closer to uni, he'll sit down with his mum and work out their exact strategy. When he gets to Dunedin, he will stay in a hall of residence for his first year at a cost of about $17,000 for the academic year. And his parents, being the astute forward-thinking savers that they are, have always had money earmarked for university and have agreed to help pay for that, which is a huge support to James. James will be paying all course-related costs himself, and if he manages to get any more of the scholarships he's applied for, he will also obviously be putting money towards his course costs with those. He would prefer not to have to get a job if he can avoid it, because he knows that university will be actually quite different to school. And he really, really wants to focus on the reason he is there, which is to study. But if he needs to, he is actually fully prepared to go to work during each semester. And for him, a student loan is an absolute last resort. So what of the rest of the whānau? James has two younger brothers. Uh, One he describes as as tight as, like squeezing diamonds out of a lemon, and the other is the complete opposite, and a spender if he gets the opportunity. But with a big brother setting such a good example, I'm sure that some of his experiences will be rubbing off on them, and it's also a really good example of how different we are as people, and even in the same family, the three boys seem to have quite different takes on money. And what about the future for James? Well, after about five years of study, he's predicting about five years of study, he hopes to become a policy writer for the government based in Wellington, and he would like to buy a house one day back in central Otago and come back here. But as we all know, the best laid plans have a habit of evolving, and I think it would be very interesting to see what path life ends up taking him down. And now for what is known as the Southland goodbye. This is where I try to wrap up this podcast but keep finding things to say. So I'm going to give it my best shot and try and keep it brief. And to end, I would say that James is extremely fortunate because he is growing up with a loving family who are teaching him that values such as hard work and a bit of forward planning can get you anywhere. His grandparents were farmers who went through tough economic reforms in the 1980s and they just had to knuckle down and get on with it and the generations who have followed them are still very much using that strategy. They're giving him the right tools to make some really good decisions and are very much present in his life to step in and guide him when he needs it such as putting his bank card away to help him curb his overspending urges. And the political views of his family have certainly helped shape James. 
and have helped to grow his interest in politics and the university courses he's about to take. But he is such a thinker and involved in so many groups that he is getting a really broad look at the way our country is made up, which is just incredible for a kid of just 17 from a small provincial town. Through his interest in politics, he has really enjoyed meeting interesting charismatic people and he even got involved in our election this year when he was not even eligible to vote. He got paid $19 an hour for eight hours to count votes and what other 17-year-old even thought to go out and do that? I have personally read enough money blogs and listened to enough podcasts to know that frugality can be too extreme with people depriving themselves to save a dollar. And James is showing signs of being pretty hard on himself, but he has a clear enough vision of the future that he knows there will have to be sacrifices made if he wants to achieve his goals. You can't have everything, so you really have to decide what is important, and with the help of his mum, that's what he's working out. Passion is an often overused word, but I'm going to use it to describe James. He certainly does have a passion for getting out there and connecting with others. I was nowhere near as wise as him when I was this age, nor did I have such huge empathy for others or a vision of the future for myself. The money side of things is just a part of his bigger picture. And as his family have been teaching him values around community, whānau and education, they have actively taught him values around money. And I see that is such a valuable life lesson to learn from as early on as possible. I mean, what a cool kid. It was an absolute pleasure to hear from him and learn what is going through a teenager's mind. And he has certainly helped reset my opinion of what teenagers are up to these days. And I reckon the future is in pretty good hands with people like James wandering about the place. And I wish him the absolute best for his first year at uni in 2018. I hope you enjoyed hearing a little bit about James's journey too. And if you have a teenager in your life, whether it be your own child, a niece, a nephew, a sister or a brother, have a think about how you can be a positive influence in their life and also have a think about what they can teach you too. If you found today's episode or any other episode helpful, it would mean a whole lot to me if you left a quick review in iTunes. This is one of the best ways for other people interested in personal finance to discover the podcast. So until next time, happy saving.